Anybody just feel like the worship team was leading us somewhere today? And, um, worship leading is a tough gig, I tell you. And because um, it doesn't really matter whether the church is into it or not, you get to bring it. <laughs> and uh, you're on the front lines and everybody's shooting at you and you just keep on singing and you keep on playing. And I just felt like today during worship, the team just, they really wanted us to remember how alive we are in Jesus. And I want us to hear that again, just how alive we are in Jesus. When we talk about miracles, I think sometimes we talk about them like a fairy tale or a fantasy that one day might happen. But just remember, right here, right now, this is a house of miracles. And the Lord is healing. And I I get it. Maybe it's not how sometimes we want Him to heal and how we want Him to move, but He's healing, He's moving, He's delivering, He's setting free. He is who He is, who He's always been, He will always be. This is a wonderful, beautiful house that is alive, fully alive in the Spirit. And again, worship team, just thank you so much for leading us. You led us in the worship of the Lord, reminding us that, yeah, we once were dead, but now we're alive in Christ. Can we just give it up for that team? Hallelujah. Wow. All right. Well, with a show of hands, how many of you have ever watched during the holiday season a Hallmark Channel movie? Oh, my goodness. What a mistake that is. So I had stayed away from that for so many years. And then, I don't know, it was like a couple of years ago, I made the mistake of finally watching one. And I'm telling you, it got me, you know, hook, line, and sinker. I was all in. I mean, just sucked completely into that Hallmark Channel movie. And uh, I get it. Like, they're predictable. They're cheesy. They're cliche. But there's just something. Like, life is hard. And there's something about sitting there and you're watching it. And even if the boy leaves the girl or the girl leaves the boy, you know all in the end it's all going to work out. Like, it's all going to work out. Everything is going to come together. And it reminds me of a phrase. We've all seen it before. But it's just that beautiful phrase. And they all lived. That's right. And that's what we're going to talk about today, what it looks like to live happily ever after uh, with Well, we'll see if that's even possible, but we're going to see it in Acts chapter 9. And for today's message, I've asked some very special people to help me be some actors. And so I'm going to ask uh, Jess, not Jesse, uh, Jesse's in New York. I'm going to ask Braden and Pastor Joe to come up on stage. Would you welcome them, please, to the stage? And uh, I've also asked uh, Kathy Ford to be the voice of the Lord. So... That makes sense. Right, that's pretty epic, right? So uh, we got Saul over here. We love you, Saul. And then Ananias over here. This is, is going to be good. This is going to be good. Well, let's, let's pray. I'm so excited about today. Lord Jesus, I love you. And you Jesus. And there's just something about it. It's not based on circumstances. It's not based on situations. It's not based on whether it rained or whether it was sunshine. It's not based on any of that, Lord. It's based on what you did on the cross and in that grave. Lord, we have a life in you. Just remind us right now that we have a life in you that nothing and no one could ever take away from us. It is finished. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, here we go. We're in, again, Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. Come on. <laughs> 
<laughs> against, that, was, that was very murderous, very murderous, against the Lord's disciples. Uh, he went to the high priest, and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now, a quick recap. I don't have time to go into all of this. You can watch or listen to the podcast. But Acts chapter 7, we, we know that Saul was actually in Jerusalem. Stephen, in a horrific, tragic death, uh, Saul was approving of that death. In last week's sermon, we looked at Acts chapter 8. Again, this is really heavy. The Bible says that Saul, this is the scripture's words, it says that Saul began to destroy the church. He was going from house to house. He was removing women and men, dragging them out of their homes, uh, out of their houses. And we know that the Jesus followers scattered. That's what we talked about last week, right? They scattered, but also we learned that as they scattered, the good news of Jesus scattered. Wherever they went, they preached the good news of Jesus. But Saul is on a mission. He's not just content with getting those Jesus followers out of Jerusalem. Today's passage, we're going to see that actually now he is following them. He has a passionate pursuit of them. Again, his passion is to destroy the church. How often, because he's written so many letters and so much of what we read and so much of what we believe in Christianity comes from Saul, who we know as the Apostle Paul, but how often do we forget who he was before his conversion? Right? You just kind of forget who he was. Church, can we not forget today? I think it's really going to be healthy if we can remember who he was. Even can we remember who we were before our conversion with Jesus. I want you to hear from Paul's own words. This is his testimony before King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. This is who he was before he met Christ. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And then when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Do you feel that? He is anti-Christ. Completely against Christ. Obsessed with destroying anything that Jesus had started. Do you know anyone like that in your life? I think if you live long enough, right, it might even be a family member. It could be a coworker. Maybe it's even your neighbor, right? There's just someone that you can't even, you're just like, gee, and they're right, right against you, right? You know what I'm talking about. Well, let's see what happens to this guy who is completely opposed to Jesus. As he nears Damascus, oh man, I love this story. I'm so happy today. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. And he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now the men traveling with Saul, they stood there speechless. I mean, they heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. So Saul gets up from the ground slowly. (laughs) Hold on. on. Sorry. Sorry. But when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see anything. That's why you're so slow. You're blind. So they led him by the hand. Good luck. Into Damascus. (laughs) Sorry. I can't see. (laughs) Oh, man. For three days he was blind. And he didn't eat or drink anything. 
Now in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to Ananias in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord? Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, I've heard many reports about this man. He's, he's done harm to your disciples in Jerusalem. And he's come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest those who call on your name. Yeah, so hold up just a second here. Can we admit that as Christians it's really easy to relate to what Ananias just said there? Like, again, you might know people in your life, like personal friends or neighbors or family members who are wildly opposed to Jesus. And even if you heard the audible voice of Jesus telling you to go speak to one of those people, I think we would all be tempted to say, are you sure you got the right guy, right? (laughs) Because like Ananias, I mean, he's probably thinking this, like, Jesus, not sure if you heard. Like, one, Jesus, I'm really happy you're here and thanks for talking to me. But two, like, word on the street is he is actually right now here to arrest anyone and everyone who calls on your name. Again, I think we could all relate to Ananias and what's going on here. But verse 15 says, the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. That's so powerful to me, right? That that's guy is like, are you sure you got the right guy? And what does the Lord say? Go. Everybody say go. 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 Do you remember the Great Commission? We just read, it was so good. We read the Great Commission in our daily reading plan Wednesday morning. I'd encourage you, if you haven't uh, signed up for that yet, sign up for that. But we just heard that Wednesday morning. He gives this Great Commission, right, to go into all nations, right? You're going to make disciples of all nations. You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You're going to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. We know that, right? He calls them to go. But then just last week, we heard the Lord tell Philip to Go, right? Go to the eunuch. And today we're going to hear the Lord. We just heard the Lord call Ananias. Ananias, I need you to go to Saul. Life string, are you willing to go? Are you willing to go when he says go? As a Christian, we've all heard him in this way before. I don't even know. Like I, Again, I just so hear you and resonate with your response because he says go and then we say, are you sure? Right? That's just how it goes. Because he says, go to your neighbor, go to your family member, go to your coworker, go to your classmate. Sometimes he even says, go to the one who persecutes you. Man, you're like, I I better have heard from the Lord. And if it really is the Lord who's asking you to go, then praise God for what you're about to be a part of. Just a quick story on this. About a month ago, I, I was at a senior pastor's meeting at Northwest Church, and there was a gentleman there. He wasn't one of the senior pastors, but he just happened to be there at the church. I was talking to him, and we were talking, and I kind of went Pastor Dan on him. I just kind of felt like some stuff was going on, and I started asking him about his marriage, and he started telling me about his marriage, and man, I just love this guy, and and so I just started telling him, uh, if you've ever been around me, I'm really honest, like awkwardly honest, so I told him all the struggles that Mary and I had in our first couple of years of marriage, but I told him how God was there, and God helped us. I told him about this Bible-based counselor that really helped us in our marriage, and uh, you could just see, I mean, as I was sharing the the tears began to well up in his eyes and and so uh, you know i said hey man i'll be praying for you love you guys and uh, we left that meeting 
Well, I've also been going every Wednesday night to these services at Northwest Church by myself, just on Wednesday nights. Uh, They've been awesome and incredible, and I've loved Pastor Ben Dixon over there in the ministry uh, that they do over at Northwest Church. But last Wednesday, maybe you've been here, maybe you haven't, but I just wasn't so sure I wanted to go. Like, have you ever been kind of just like, I'm kind of tired, it's been a long week, and you know what, God's grace is sufficient, so I'm just going to call this one, you know, we're just staying home. The Olympics are on, <laughs> so we're just going to stay home. It's 7 p.m. The service started at 7 p.m. So, I mean, even if I wanted to go, I mean, it's already started. You know, Have you ever rationalized all that before? Right? And the Lord's just like, Dan, you need to go. Oh, yeah, I do. So I got up. I went. I'm late. It's like 725. Guess who sits next to me? Right? That gentleman, he sits next to me. He says, hey, Pastor Dan, can I talk to you after the service? Yeah, Absolutely. He came up, talked to me afterwards. He goes, hey, my wife and I talked uh, a little bit, and I told her what you had talked to me about, and we really want this thing to go well. And so would you be willing to give uh, me the name and number of that counselor? Can you imagine my ride home? My ride home, I'm just crying, I'm shouting, I'm just so happy. I'm so happy that I went because the Lord had given us that divine opportunity, that divine moment, because he cares about their marriage. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Or just this week, I, Tuesday morning, I woke up really discouraged. I talked to Braden a little bit about this. I, I just didn't feel good. My whole body was in pain. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take a sick day, right? I, I'm going to just stay in bed uh, for this day. Before I could even get my first cup of coffee, three different people from three different churches, not even from LifeSpring, uh, texted me. People that didn't even know what was going on in my life. Words of encouragement. Incredible words, words that I needed, words that got me out of bed, words that got me into work that day. But why did it happen, church? It happened because when the Lord said go, when the Lord said, hey, you need to text Dan Bursch, they obeyed and it changed the complete trajectory of my day. So good. And in today's passage, Ananias' obedience to go, it doesn't just change one person's life. It's going to change the trajectory of Christianity itself. Let's see what happens. Verse 17. So Ananias goes to the house. He enters it. He places his hands on Saul, and he says, Brother Saul, Lord Jesus, who you met on the road on the way come here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at this church, verse 18. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He gets up. He was baptized. Baptized. (laughs) After taking some food. Do you have any food? Oh, thanks, Ananias. Oh, that looks delicious. He took a green pepper. (laughs) A plastic one. And he regained his strength. Oh, so good, right? Just like what Philip got to be a part of last week. Now Ananias gets to be a part of this because he obeyed the Lord. You obeyed the Lord. Saul is filled with the Holy Spirit. He regains his sight. He gets baptized. Again, can you just agree with me, please, church, that the Hallmark Channel's got nothing on this story, right? Nothing on this. In fact, church, I think this deserves something, Braden. I mean, Saul, this is for you. Here it is. Let's read it together. And they live happily ever after. Take a bow. Amen. Go ahead and take your seat. That was wonderful. Thank you, Ananias. 
Thank you, voice of the Lord. Uh, thank you, Saul. Oh, actually, I'm sorry, Saul. It actually looks like this isn't the end of your story. There's actually more words in the Bible about you. So, actually, could you come back up? I mean, it was great and wonderful. You were awesome. But I have to give it back? Yeah, I think I should probably take that from you. Sorry, Saul. In fact, let's just read it. Well, I'll read it. We'll see what happens. I don't know. Saul, you spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, uh, you began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard you were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't uh, he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet you grew more and more powerful, and you baffled the Jews living in Damascus, and you proved that Jesus is the Messiah. Woo! And they all I'll lived happily ever after. So, that's just, wow. Uh, sorry. The problem with verse 22 is there's a verse called verse 23 that comes right after that one. So, actually, come on up, because it looks like after many days had gone by... Uh, there was a conspiracy to kill you. So, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> Sorry about that. You're getting your steps in today. So there was a conspiracy to kill you, but you learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill you. But your followers took you by night. They lowered you in a basket. They lowered you through an opening in the wall. You escaped Damascus. No, no, that has no? to I'm not taking that again. No, I'm not going down there. <laughs> there has to be more. Keep reading. Keep reading. Yeah, Verse 26. <laughs> when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. I mean, he escaped. This is wonderful, right? But when he got there, he couldn't join them. Why? Because they were afraid of him. They didn't really believe he was a disciple. Now, church, remember, these guys, they have good reason to believe he's not a disciple. Remember all that he had done? Remember his passion to destroy the church? So maybe they're not so convinced that he's had a real conversion experience. But it's beautiful what happens next. Don't miss this church, verse 27. But Barnabas took him. Remember Barnabas? We, we actually heard about him in chapter 4. He was the guy that sold the field. He took all the uh, proceeds of the sale. He laid it at the apostles' feet. Remember this, chapter 4? Laid it at the apostles' feet so that they could distribute, distribute it to those in need. And so now here is Barnabas, a guy who has some street cred, right, with the disciples. They trust him. They believe in him. He takes Saul and he brings him to the disciples, to the apostles. And he told them all that Saul had done, right? How Saul in his journey had seen the Lord, that the Lord had spoken to him, how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. And you can just imagine Barnabas, right? Like, hey, listen up. I know you're afraid, but I can vouch for this guy. Like, He's one of us. He's one of us. He's the real deal. And it looks like the disciples believe Barnabas. They're not so sure if they believe Saul at this point, but they believe Barnabas. So they take him in. And verse 28 says, Saul stayed with them and he moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and he debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. But when the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and they sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, they enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased 
in numbers. Here you go. And they lived happily ever after. Should I let him keep the sign? (laughs) I'm tempted to let you keep the sign. (sighs) But here's the deal. Here's the deal. We know, I know, we know that actually things get really hard for Saul. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, I think it says that he faces death every day. Can you imagine what that's like? To face death every day. And we know that even believers right now in other parts of the world, they are walking that out. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger from city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored, labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. Can we just thank Braden one more time for helping me out today? You know, I've been challenged by all of this because, I don't know, I feel like I'm surrounded by a version of Christianity that says, follow Jesus and you actually don't have to face any of that. Like, follow Jesus and you get the sign. Right? If you live passionately enough, radically enough, if you love God, you love others, no, you're not going to face opposition. You're not going to face persecution. No, in fact, you get the sign. But think of it this way. Think of it this way. Even after that mythical happily ever after, if it ever comes, remember, there's always a day after happily ever after. Right? Even in the rom-coms, the next morning they wake up and they realize their spouse has morning breath. There's always a day after happily after ever after or you realize they don't know how to do laundry there's a day after happily ever after right that's the problem with movies and maybe i'm cynical a little bit but with movies when you see the end and the credits roll you're like yeah but what about tomorrow look at this the apostle paul i love it verse 22 he proves jesus is the messiah the very next verse people are ready to kill him Verse 25, he escapes Damascus on his way to Jerusalem. Very next verse, disciples are afraid of him. The Bible says he's moving around freely in verse 28, speaking boldly in the name of Jesus. Yay, credits roll, end of movie. The very next verse, they're ready to kill him again. If you've been a Christian long enough, you know how, that's, how it goes. Often that's how it goes. Some of the hardest things you're going to face are going to be right after your greatest victories. Your greatest defeats are after your greatest victories. It's right after that amazing move of God, right? Right after you just experience the presence of God that you get the negative email. It's right after that encounter with God when someone says something that just takes the air out of the room. You've been there, church. I've been there. We've all been there. I was talking to the new pastor over at 
North Hill Adventist Fellowship, C.J. Moon, Pastor C.J. Moon. And he's been a pastor in Washington, D.C. But then he got this dream job of pastoring here in the Pacific Northwest. He was going to be in Edgewood. And his parents, they were living in another state. He was living in Washington, D.C. They were both going to move to Edgewood, actually to Bonnie Lake, so that they could be together. I mean, praise the Lord. They get the sign. The credits roll. The end. Happily ever after. Church, they moved at the very beginning of January. Within two weeks, his father passed away. And it just, I mean, you just, your heart just goes out to this pastor and to his family. But I think as you keep on walking through the book of Acts, you're going to witness similar heartbreak. You're going to witness similar loss. But I want to encourage you, you're going to witness, there's going to be a resolve, I'd say even like a tenacity, a perseverance, an endurance. There's going to, you're, you're going to read it, you're going to be like, there is a faith in Jesus. Like many of these people that we're going to read about, they're going to face extreme persecution, even losing their lives for the sake of Christ. But in the midst of it all, they are going to keep the faith by the power of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. They're going to keep telling the world the good news about Jesus Christ. Right? Man, this is so unpopular in today's world. But in the midst of the heartbreak, in the midst of the suffering, they're going to say things like Peter says in First Peter. He says, speaking to a heavily persecuted church, he says, no, in Jesus we are filled. Right here, right now, we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Or James, James, who, that church, they're being oppressed left and right, and yet he says, no, church, listen, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. See, they weren't looking for some mythical happily ever after, because what they were looking for, what their heart longed for, they had already found in Jesus. They had found in Jesus just like what Saul found. On that road to Damascus, they found true, everlasting, peace-filled, joy-filled, abundant life in Jesus. They'd already found everything they needed in Him. Church, the equation is true. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus is all you need. Think of it this way. They already had their sign. They already had their sign. You know what their sign read? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him, including me, including you, shall not perish, but what have eternal life. See, their sign, the author of their sign was the one who actually said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. I was so moved by that pastor over at North Hill. Last Saturday, I'm sitting in the front row as he preached, again, two weeks after his father's death. And you know what he preached on? He preached on John 3, 16. Even in the midst of all of his grief. And you can imagine all of the emotions that were going on, right? With his dad just dying two weeks after the move and yet with tears in his eyes. I'll never forget it. He told everyone in that room, he said, come to Jesus. And he had this blanket and he had a young man up there and he clothed the man. He said, let Jesus clothe you. Let Jesus save you. Let Jesus give you his life. 
And you just saw it. He was ministering as someone who he wasn't striving for something. But instead, even in the midst of intense grief, you just saw him settled with who he was in Christ. He had everything he needed in Christ. And if you're sitting here today and if you said yes to Jesus... If you said yes to the saving work of Jesus on the cross and in the grave, you just need to hear that. That's true of you today. Like not some mythical, magical day. That's true of who you are right here, right now. And nothing and no one can ever separate you from that. No one and nothing can separate you from the love, the life, the peace, the joy that you have right now. In Christ. Do you believe that? We need to believe that, church. Who is Jesus to you? you got to get that one settled. Who is He to you? For me, yeah, I'm a human. i got emotions and i got the roller coaster, all that. But there's one thing that's settled. I am with Christ and Christ is with me. Christ is in me and I am in Christ. And nothing and no one is separating that from me. Even death itself ain't touching what I got with Jesus. That's what Romans 8 tells us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship? I mean, this is what some of you are facing right now. Or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Because as it's written, for your sake, we're facing death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And yet Paul says, no, no, no way. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Can I get an amen on that one? Right? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. Say it with me. Neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth. Come on. Nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, man, this is what Saul had and Phoebe had. This is what John and Ananias had. This is what Priscilla had. This is what everybody in this book had. They had something that nobody and nothing could take away from them. In fact, think of it this way. They didn't have a sign. They had a seal. They had a seal. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. He said, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. So that meant no matter what they faced, right, whether, whether everybody loved them or everybody wanted to kill them, whether they had the favor of man or they had the hatred of man, it, it just it didn't matter. They were marked with a seal. The Lord just says, no, this one's mine. This one's mine forever and ever, marked with a seal. This one's mine. And there's something in their hearts that just knew it. You can spit on me. You can hit me. You can attack me. But you cannot take me away from the presence of God. Lord, let faith arise in this building today. See, we don't need to keep chasing for happily ever after. If you're striving for happily ever after, stop striving. Peace. Jesus. In Jesus, you have everything you need. Second Peter 1.3 says, By His divine power, He has given you everything you need to live a godly life. And I don't know how your life is going. I don't 
know what you're facing. If it's like most people that I'm meeting with nowadays and talking to these days, uh, you're probably walking through a lot. I mean, yeah, I, I won't even go into that story. But I, I, I just get it that there's some heavy stuff that you're walking through. But I just want you to hear this. In Christ, you can face it. You can do this. I get it. In your flesh, you're like, I can't do this. But by the Spirit, you can do this. Church, you can do this. Even as I'm saying that, you're like, I can't do it. And I'm saying, no, you can do it. I win this battle because I know who's inside of you. He's the one who raised from the grave. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the grave is living inside of you. You can do this. I love, my wife has been telling me this lately. She goes, and you're not striving for victory, but you live from a place of victory. Right? Some of us still think it's out there somewhere. No, you already have everything you need in Christ. Peace, child. Peace. The war is over. Jesus, the finished work of Jesus, you already have a peace that passes understanding. That passage, I can't stand it sometimes when I hear Christians talk about it because they talk about it like some unattainable goal when the whole idea was to remind you of what you have right here, right now. You have, in Christ, a peace that passes understanding. You have a joy, an inexpressible joy. You have eternal life. You're not like hoping one day you might receive eternal life, if that's what that looks like. But you know, like, come on, when you received Jesus into your life, do you know when eternal life started? It was that very moment that you said yes to Jesus. I have life in Jesus. That's who you are, church. And no one and nothing can steal that away from you. Smile, church. Not because everything's going well, but because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Dance, son of God. Dance, daughter of God. Not because of the absence of pain, but right in the middle of your pain, you say, I serve one who has conquered both sin and death. Lord, let your word just penetrate the barriers of our hearts today. Oh, Jesus. All right. And then, I get it. There's some of you that are like Pastor Dan. Theologically, I get what you're saying. I could maybe even agree with you, though. I'm not real encouraged by this point. (laughs) I just want a happily ever after. Gosh darn it. Well, if that's you, I got good news for you. You're going to love this. Here's the best happily ever after ever written. It's found in the book of Revelation. It's chapter 22. Uh, The later editors added this subheading that says simply, Eden restored. Let this encourage you today, church. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of that river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves, oh, this is so good. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Wow. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light 
of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. And if that isn't good enough for you, I want to read the very last words in the book. This is from Jesus himself. He says, Yes, I am coming soon. And John's response is, let it be, right? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And I don't know what you're facing today. But man, I just want to encourage you to run your race. Run your race. I don't know what or who or what circumstances have tried to throw you off course, but come on, you can do this. In Christ, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Run your race. And I, you know, perseverance, endurance, all those things. I also think, like, just sometimes you've got to have a tenacity, even a stubbornness, right? A stubbornness in the faith that says, no one and nothing is taking me off the solid rock of Christ Jesus. And from a place of faith, can you fixate your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith? Look to Him, the One who is coming soon. And then also, just as your pastor is someone who loves you, I just say this as well. Go, 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 go. Do what the Lord is asking you to do. Go, in the name of Jesus, go to your co-worker, to your family member, to your classmate, to your neighbor. Again, don't go there if he's not asking you to go. That's just a mess. But if he's asking you to go, then go. And I get that it's scary and can be intimidating, but just remember who is inside of you. You can be confident, not in your own abilities, not in who you think you are in your flesh, but you can be confident in who is inside of you by the Spirit. Be confident that by His divine power, you have everything you need to live a godly life. And I get it. We're going to leave this service. The service is almost over. We're going to go out those doors. But you do not have to be afraid of what is on the other side of those doors. You do not have to live in fear of what is on the outside of those doors. And none of us can guarantee even what is going to happen outside of those doors. But you can do it boldly and confidently with joy, with peace, with love, flowing full of the river of life, knowing that nothing and no one will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. I just believe this. Your life with Jesus, your life in Jesus, it's the best story ever written. But don't wait. It's now. It's now. It's now. Now and forever. Amen. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, your word is so life-giving today. It's encouraging us not for some mythical thing that might never happen, but it's encouraging us in who we already are in you, Jesus. I see that so clearly. We're like diamonds, and yet there's so much of life, the dirt and grime of life that have tried to cover our sparkle. And Jesus, I just feel it today by your word. You're gently removing the grime. You're removing the dirt. And you're reminding us of what we have in Jesus. 
that we once were dead to sin, but now we are alive in Christ. Right now, we have everything we need to live a godly life for you. And as Philip was called to the eunuch, as Ananias was called to Saul, Lord, your saving plan of redemption is still working. Right now, you are working. Right now, salvation is in this region. Right now, you are still calling sons and daughters to you. And right now, you are still calling your church to go. To go. To go into the workplace. To go into our schools. To go into our families. You're calling us, Lord, to go to people who are seeking something better than this world has been offering them. And so, Lord, give us ears to hear, even now. We wait upon you, Lord, for ears to hear. I just even feel like some of you are battling with the Lord right now, and and the Lord says there's even grace for the battle. I think about me not wanting to go to that service. The Lord didn't shame me in that moment. He just continued to speak to me. As a father would speak to a son, he encouraged me, Dan, I want you to go. And so even that, I just, (laughs) we're always shaming each other for not responding quick enough. But I just feel like the Lord is saying, I'm patient. (laughs) And I'm going to keep on calling you. And just by his grace and his mercy, life spring, I just pray this over you. Would you go? Take that step. Take that step. Not for victory, but from victory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just allow him to speak to you this morning. show us what was Paul living for right what why was he willing to sacrifice like he did what was it about these men and women of faith who endured face every day and yet or faced death every day and yet they were filled with love and joy and peace how did they do it Lord how did they do it Lord thank you reminding us that they were filled and full of the power of your spirit This is a new age. This is an age of people, men and women, young and old, being empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit of God. Pour on us again, Lord. Fall fresh on us again. Fresh wind, fresh fire to do all that you're calling us to do. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.